Hey guys, home birth alert for this birth story. I have interviewed Kelly Bryant from Kelly Bryant Wellness. She is a very successful personal trainer in Stewart, Florida, and she helps moms reconnect with their core and regain their strength postnatally. She details her birth story with her daughter in this episode and this beautiful home birth. So let's get to it. What does a contraction feel like? How do I know if I'm in labor? And what does a day of labor look like? Wait, is this normal? Hey, I'm Heidi. My best friends call me Hydes. I'm a certified birth doula, host of this podcast, and author of Birth Story, an interactive pregnancy guidebook. I have supported hundreds of women through their labor and deliveries, and I believe every one of them and you deserves a microphone and a stage. So here we are. Listen each week to get answers to these tough questions. Birth Story, where we talk about pregnancy, labor, deliveries, where we tell our stories and share our feelings. And of course, chat about our favorite baby products and motherhood. And because I'm passionate about birth outcomes, you will hear from some of the top experts in labor and delivery. Whether you are pregnant, trying desperately to get pregnant, or you just love a good birth story, I hope you will stick around and be part of this birth story family. Hey guys, today's episode is brought to you by Stork Exchange. I am so thankful for Sindel and Ben for sponsoring this episode. And if you haven't heard their birth story, rewind, go back and listen to it. My kindergartners came home and they were literally talking to me this week about recycling, upcycling the environment. And we had a real conversation about baby carriers when we went to Target to pick up a birthday present for one of their friends that was turning six. And I explained to them, look at all of this packaging, look at the plastic, look at all of the materials that were used to make these baby carriers. And then we walked through all of the lines at Target and we looked at all of these different baby items. And we had a real conversation. And guys, I'm talking about with a five-year-old and a six-year-old. It's super simple, right? We want to reduce our impact on not only our wallets, but the earth. We want to reduce our footprint on the earth. We are pregnant, we are adopting, we are becoming parents through fostering, and we need baby items. And so what do we do? We go to Baby List and we go to Amazon and we go and register for all these brand new items with a lot of packaging. And that is exactly what Sindel and Ben wanted to change. They realized that so many parents just like you and my doula clients were really frustrated with the hassle of trying to buy used online, like think Craigslist, Facebook Marketplace, you're driving to some shady area, you have no idea if it's in good condition or not. So that's where they created Stork Exchange. Stork Exchange is truly an online marketplace for baby goods like baby carriers. So you're going to spend less, you're going to use less. And let's face it, you only need these things for a couple of months anyway. So I love it if you checked out their company. It's at storkexchange.co or on Instagram at stork underscore exchange. And tell them what you think. If you are ready to buy, use code birthstory for 20% off. All right. Thanks, Sindel and Ben, for sponsoring this episode. And let's get to it. Hey, Kelly, good morning. Welcome to the Birth Story Podcast. How are you? I'm good, Heidi. Thank you so much for having me. Where are you in the world? Probably not on this planet. No, I'm uh, (laughs) in Stewart, Florida. We are a sleepy little beach town just north of Palm Beach. I know exactly where you are because I'm from Orlando, Florida. Oh, yeah. Most of us know people. You're like, oh, that's the exit after all the cities. You're that first exit off the highway. (laughs) Exactly. Anyway, so how is the weather down there right now? We're recording in September and the Gulf Coast was getting hit by, you know, tropical storms and hurricanes. So are you doing okay? I have no running water at my house. Fortunately, I am here recording in my office, which has a private bathroom with a shower. Praise be. I was like, because you have makeup on, so, and (laughs) lipstick. (laughs) I have my stuff together today. 
this just happened because my well ran dry and the city is taking forever to hook me up to city water. So like the backstory is not that interesting, but I feel like I'm living in a hurricane because it's September in Florida and I have no running water. It's just like a hurricane. It is. It is. Oh my gosh. Well, Kelly, tell us all about yourself. Like what's life like day to day? What are your passions? Yeah. We want to know all about you. So I am a full-time working mom. I own my own business, which is called Kelly Bryant Wellness. I have a small private training studio for locals, and I also have a full online studio for people all over the world. My focus is on prenatal and postnatal fitness for people who are rock stars that just need a little help getting back in touch with the rock star that's still in there. A big part of what I do is I, I help parents reconnect to the part of them that is not mom. I think that's really, I love birth stories that like birth stories are my favorite thing because I make all of my postpartum parents tell their birth story and like get it out there because I think this is a whole other thing, but a lot of the parents who come to me postpartum have had traumatic births and part of that like healing and coming back into yourself is telling your birth story and normalizing it and understanding where you're coming from. So I really help parents. And I I try to say parents, I try not to say moms just to be a little bit more queer friendly, but I will probably screw it up. I try to help parents reconnect to themselves, both physically and emotionally. And I have one peanut. She is almost two now. Oh, congratulations. Thanks. Very cool. I'm really excited to learn about your business but also to hear all about your home birth and your decision for autonomous birthing, especially in Florida, which I think is so important. And before we dig in, I just wanted to say something that you said. I love that there are people like you that are doing what you're doing to help support moms that have had some sort of trauma in their birth. The purpose of the Birth Story podcast and education through storytelling is the prevention of medical trauma. Mm -hmm. So creating a platform where we're teaching moms on this, we're teaching moms through stories, the good, the bad, the ugly, like I interview everybody Mm -hmm. so that we can learn what to do and what not to do when we get to our birthing space, where we want to birth, how we want to birth, all of that. And if it doesn't go perfect, then how to get in touch with Kelly Bryant. Or Kelly yeah, right, right. Kelly if, if it goes perfect, I take those people. They're like maybe 20% of my people because they're just coming back. Those are my like super type A people who are like, give me a plan. They're like, I want to go back to running or CrossFit. They're like, I have to do everything correct. Yeah. Tell me what to do. <laughs> they're like 20% of the people, the other 80% are like, everything is terrible. Right. Yes. The 20% that have hormone blockers somehow <laughs> that like, don't experience the emotions of postpartum. Totally get it. So Kelly with Kelly Bryant Wellness, and you're at on Instagram and social at Kelly Bryant Wellness. We'll mm-hmm. link to it in the show notes and then your website, kellybryantwellness.com. Tell me about this tattoo on your arm. So actually funny that you should ask. No one ever asks me about it. And, and it's there in part for people to ask. So it's a, a fiddle. Technically, it looks like a violin. It's a fiddle. And it is for my big sister who died very unexpectedly about five years ago. And it is there because at like 30 plus years old, she was like, I want to learn to play the fiddle and play in a bluegrass band. And I was like, who does that? So your sister does. Yeah. So it, it was the, it's a reminder to just go for it. Yeah. Well, let's honor her for a moment. What was her name? Her name was Jen. And actually that's my daughter's middle name is Jennifer. Oh, okay. Excellent. And how did Jen pass on? She was 30, 36, 37 and had a stroke basically. Probably related to birth control. We're not really sure. So birth control is a risk factor for having brain injuries. So that's something that I do like for women to know. Hormonal birth control does affect your blood vessels. Yeah, absolutely. I'm actually like um, pretty passionate about this. Mm-hmm. I never took birth control my entire life. My mom suffered a stroke from her birth control pill when she was in her early 20s. Wow. Thankfully, her stroke was caught very early and um, she had subsequent blood clot in her leg. And so um, no one in my family 
takes or has taken uh, hormonal birth control. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it is something it's, it is very rare, but the rare is still a human. It's a person, it's a sister. So thank you for sharing about, Absolutely, yeah. about Jen before we get started. All right. Well, let's talk about your home birth. Sure. Tell me about first about getting pregnant. Was this an easy journey for you? The funny story is I grew up here in Stewart. Okay. I was like, I'm never coming back here. This place sucks. I'm a big city girl. Um, so my husband and I, I met my husband when I went to school at the University of Miami. We moved to New York. I worked in marketing at a tech startup. I was living like a very like fast paced New York City lifestyle, like all of the good and also all of the bad. Partying, staying out late, drinking too much, like just all of all of it. And welcome to New York. Yeah, exactly. And and when my when my sister died, it was like this wake up call of like this nothing is given. You don't know how long you have, so like live. So my husband and I quit our jobs and we left New York and we traveled around the world for a year and a half. And I had live anywhere or did you just have extended stays? We did. So we traveled pretty extensively and then the money got a little tight and we spent two months living in Budapest, about a month in Spain. And then I got a job running the yoga program at a resort in Morocco. So we actually lived in Morocco for like seven months. Cool. What year? That, gosh, when was that? 2016 to 17. So winter of 2016 to 17. And I had done my, my yoga teacher training when I was living in New York. I had done it like as a kind of like a hobby, like, oh, maybe one day I'll like make some side money doing this. Like I did it for fun because yoga helped heal an injury that I had from a car accident. And so it like made my shoulders much healthier and helped a lot with pain. And it was like the first thing that I had ever done that like helped me like calm down and like not be so intense. So I did the, you know, this stint in Morocco teaching yoga full time. And when we moved back to the States, we, we kind of were open-ended of like, where do we want to go? We both knew that we never wanted to be cold again for as long as we live. So we decided to move back to my hometown and this is the connection. What the heck does this have to do with having a baby? When you move back to Stewart, Florida, you actually get pregnant immediately. All hometowns. Yes. All hometowns. It's mm-hmm. like the pressure falls down on you. All high school yes. friends. Yeah. And my parents, grandparents and aunts and uncles and yep. cousins. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. My yeah. best friend from high school said, I'll do it if you do it. And so the same week in December 2017, we both got our IUDs out and we both got pregnant in the first cycle. Your non-hormonal IUD. Hormonal IUD. <laughs> oh, it was a hormonal uh-huh. IUD. I didn't oh, know. I said, I said non-hormonal. I had a copper. Shame on yeah. you. I'm just kidding. I know. I know. No. I, I got the hormonal IUD because I was, I'm a wuss. That's, I'm like such a wuss about pain. And they say like the copper is like a little bit more painful and also it lasts for 10 years. So I was like, well, why am I going to put myself through the pain for the 10 year version when I know I'm going to have a kid sooner than that? This is, this is all, these are very good points. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know the whole connection between hormonal birth control and brain aneurysm, stroke, all of that stuff until later. Yeah. I'm Okay. Thankfully. Yes. Okay, good. I just wanted to mention that. And there is a lower risk actually with an IUD than with the pills that you take every day. So that is a little bit of a different risk with the level of hormones and the type of hormones that are being released. But I digress. (laughs) You had a pregnancy pact with your bestie in Stewart, Florida. (laughs) And so that's a dangerous thing to do because one could get pregnant and one right, could not get right. pregnant. We were like, we, we acknowledge that. By the way, my husband thinks it's really awkward when I tell people that my best friend and I got pregnant together because he's like, that sounds like some, some different things were happening than what happened. Polyamorous relationship. You and I got <laughs> pregnant and she and her husband got pregnant and that is not the same thing. Right. So like, people no, know what I mean. It was at the same party, you know? But, yeah, right, the hotel right. room. Fortunately, we both got pregnant in that first cycle together. Oh, that's really, really unique. Okay. Unlikely. Yeah. It's, yeah. you know, they say it takes like three months and we both were pregnant. I actually found out I was pregnant first because I felt like steaming hot garbage. And I was, I actually took a negative test before I took a pop, like 
you know, I took a negative test before the, the test would actually show that I was pregnant. And I was like, I don't feel right. And you are intuitive and in tune with your body then, man, if you can feel that. What um, happened how old was, were you? I was, oh, sorry. How old? I was 29. Okay. It was on my birthday. It was on my 29th birthday that, you that found I found out I was pregnant. Yep. What a cool birthday present. Yeah. Okay. It, the reason that I knew, I was like, this is not normal. The first thing was there was a baptism, like a baby baptism at my church. And I am not a crier. I'm not an emotional person. And I did not know these people. And I just like lost it. And I was like, why is this baby making me so emotional? And then like the next day I was like, literally could not hold my eyes open. And I like took a negative test that day. And then four or five days later, I was like, I'm still, this is still not normal. When did your best friend find out? So I called her and was like, it was like, I told my husband and then I told her which my husband was out at the store. I didn't want to tell him I was taking the second test because I was like, he's going to think I'm insane. Like I took a negative test. I am not pregnant. So I didn't, want to, I didn't want him to know I was taking the second test. And he walks in and is like, guess what I got? And I was like, what? He's like, I got Girl Scout cookies. And I was like, I got pregnant. And you were like, but can we have a thin mint? <laughs> I was like, I will take those, I will take those uh, Samoas off your hands though. Yes. Oh my gosh. So I called my friend and I was like, oh, that happened faster than I was expecting. And she was like, now that you mention it. And she took a positive test the same day. Oh my gosh. This is so, I hope this has a happy ending. Does it have a happy ending? There's no ending. Like, I mean, like she didn't miscarry. No, 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 no. Okay. That's what I I was like, oh, it's like, I can't handle this. We were due five days apart. No, we were due. Yeah. We were due five days apart and we had our daughters almost three weeks apart. Because she was almost two weeks early and I was almost a week late. Yeah. I was like, that sounds about right. My sister-in-law, she called to tell us she was pregnant and we had just had sex to try to have a baby because I was ovulating. And so she's like, we're pregnant. And I was like, we just tried to get pregnant, you know? And it was like- <laughs> And she's like, that's a weird piece of so information. I think she, and she was probably like three weeks pregnant or something like yeah. that. So then like two weeks later, we found out we were pregnant mm-hmm. and then our- kids are though they are seven weeks apart even though because I went so late yeah and and she she went like early-ish right on time yeah Yeah. so it's due dates they're a lie we call them guest dates in our world I I actually refused to tell people my due date for a long time I eventually finally gave up because it was like my boss needed to know like just how terrified she needed to be that I was just gonna not show up (laughs) one day I eventually did cave, but like I, for a long time, I didn't tell anyone my due date because I was born induced at 42 weeks. So I was like, I'm going to go late. I don't want everybody to know and be like waiting. Yeah. Typically we do follow the way that our moms labor oftentimes. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, like, I mean, I knew I was going into history of late, 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 mm-hmm. late, late. And I went to 43 weeks gestation, Oof. which is... A little insane. I mean, yeah. I've told this story a million times on this podcast, but like, don't do that. Do an herbal induction or something. Yeah, that. yeah. Which I <laughs> actually, if we want to jump into the birth, I actually, I was like, I spent a lot of time on um, evidence-based birth and she has a whole series of yep. what actually works for inducing labor. Yeah. And I was super bummed that like the evidence isn't great for sex. Like there, it like maybe, but it's so hard to tell because it, it's it might... not great for any of it because right, right. the mechanism of action of like spontaneous labor mm-hmm. is still unknown. Right. That's right. why like you can put someone on Pitocin for two days and they may yeah. never have a contraction because mm-hmm. we don't actually, we haven't really solved, you know, I, I innately believe that your baby gives the signal. Right. So you can right. do Cervil, side attack, Pitocin, Foley mm-hmm. herbal enemas, whatever you want to do, castor oil. Mm-hmm. And until your baby is like, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. And send some hormonal signal that is like unknown, like you're not going into labor. It, right. So if it's a hormonal signal, it's like, it's possible that that's like, it's not like a discrete, like there's a line. Right? right. It's probably a spectrum. So it's like if you if you do the right thing at the right part of the spectrum, like where you've gotten far enough, maybe it triggers labor. Yeah. yeah. I always and, say you're standing on the edge of the pool 
And I'm like trying to push you in right. and eventually you fall in the pool, right. you know? Right. And you might've fallen in the pool anyway. Right. Exactly. So standing on the edge. I have no idea. So I like looked at all that evidence and I was like, so it seems like all you really have to do is like make your bowels cramp and like you have a shot at making your uterus cramp. And my husband's a big fan of the yogi tea, like the detox tea that makes you poop. I have never taken it before in my life. And he's like, it's super mild. You'll take it tonight. Tomorrow you'll take a big dump. And I'm like, okay. Like, I'm like, what's the harm? Right? Like I did not clear this with the midwife. Like I told my midwife I was getting antsy and I was like going to get out my breast pump. And she was like, do not. Because if you start labor artificially, you often have to keep it going artificially. And she's like, you do not want an induced labor. You're like 40 and two or whatever I was when I told her this. She's like, right. when, you're, when you're 41 and a half, 42 weeks, because in Florida, fortunately, there's a lot of policy support for home birth and birth center birth. Okay, good. And what that means is that there's very strict rules, right? Like you can have a home birth, no problem, up to 42 weeks, but at 42 weeks, you have to transfer to a hospital and be induced. Ooh, that's so, how it works in North Carolina. Well, yeah, North Carolina, there's just, the home birth is completely not allowed, so. Well, but we do it a lot. I know, I know. <laughs> but we do it a lot up to 43, as long as that baby needs to take, you know? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so it's a fine balance of like these worlds, right? Mm-hmm. Interacting with each other, like undisturbed birthing. Right. Up to 42 weeks, which is pretty generous, I will say. Mm-hmm. I mean, I did birth at 43 weeks, so that wouldn't have worked for me right. in particular, but then like, the other world of the medical world coming mm-hmm. in and saying like, okay, we're going to give you so much time and patience, but then. The nice thing about the particular practice that I was at is that they actually do have a perfect, because a lot of the, I don't want to say the issue, but a lot of the fear around being transferred out, if you are scheduled for a home birth, is that there's a lot of stigma that whoever you get treating you at the hospital is not going to be, they're going like, to be looking at you in a certain way. And right. I get that. Like, oh, here's the home birth girl mm-hmm. that, you know, that oh, failed, really that, that couldn't do it. Um, so fortunately, our practice has a provider that they transfer to. It's a little bit further. So it's like, if it's an emergency transfer, you have to go to the local hospital. Too bad. You that get is you generous get. with their love and their acceptance, hopefully, of home birth. Please tell me that that's what that provider is. They pro- the, the provider that's further away that you get transferred to, if it's non-emergent, they're lovely. Like they yeah. work together. They, you know, they will do, forget if that's the same person who will do a breech birth. There was that option, but I, I actually was uninsured. So yeah. I was terrified of transferring. So that comes up again. So I took this detox tea and went into labor the next day. Okay. Like the, did you shit your brains out? I, <laughs> I shit my brains out the whole morning in early labor. Okay. Which actually is funny because I had like, we did a Bradley method birth class and our birth instructor was like, you will poop. You're going to poop. If you have issues about pooping, you and your partner need to work them out now because you're going to poop. And I was like, I'm not going to poop. It was like very seriously like a point with my husband where I was like, I do not know if I can do this, if I'm going to poop. So fortunately, I didn't poop in birth because I pooped everything before. Yes. I will say there is a reason that doulas carry a lot of essential oils and essential oil sprays, you know, because... (laughs) If, if you didn't take the tea in, you know, or in early labor, you right. know, if your partner's there and stuff too, I mean, it can get a little sensory overwhelming, <laughs> you know, while you're cleaning out, you know, right. it really right. can. So this really worked for you. It, I don't, of course, I don't know. I don't know if that's what worked. Like I, I, I went into early labor, you know, I did all the things I was supposed to do because I took a Bradley class where I was like, I'm going to let my husband sleep in. I'm going to just like hang out by myself, go for a walk. Like, you know, our midwives always say, do all the things that are going to stop labor because if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. So Mm -hmm. yeah, like take a shower, go for a walk, like do all those things. Don't try to force it to keep going. I sent my husband out to vote and to go to BJ's. I was like, it was like, uh, you still haven't early voted and you're not going to vote. 
this coming week. So it was like a Saturday. Apparently they had our early voting polls open, I guess. And is this like October, November-ish? I'm assuming. Yeah, this was an end of October. Yeah. My daughter was born on the 27th. Yeah. Okay. So I sent him out to like run all the errands that are like, this has to happen before the baby's born. Buy pastries. He, I swear to God, I subsisted for the first like three days of my daughter's life on these gigantic BJ's muffins. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm like, why are they so large? I don't know. Why are they so delicious? I don't know. And they come in like lemon, poppy seed, mm-hmm. chocolate mm-hmm. chip, blueberry. I think it, it was some kind of like a, yeah, it was a berry. It was for sure a berry. I did that. My best friend came over. She'd had her baby three weeks before on a Sunday. And so we'd all gone over, had a pool party, done brunch, that whole thing in her early labor. And so she came over with her husband and her baby and brought barbecue, which like, what the hell was I thinking? Uh, Cause I saw it again. Yeah. <laughs> so there was actually a point like midday where I was like down to contractions every 20, 30 minutes. I was like, Oh shit. I called the whole party over and I'm not really in labor. All I did was poop a bunch. <laughs> like oh god this is so embarrassing I'm gonna have to send everyone home and be like I'm actually not having a baby (laughs) no but that makes sense you were no longer private you were no Mm -hmm. longer undisturbed you know you were distracted Mm -hmm. you were in light you were with people and Mm -hmm. more mammals yeah those are not that's not an environment for a mammal that says hey it's safe to have a baby right now so that makes sense to me right it would slow down and short, you know, it did eventually pick back up. We, um, we watched a lot of the Great British Baking Show. I will say, get you a friend whose husband has also been through a Bradley Method class. Because for some reason, at one point, I'm like sitting in my living room, like in the middle of a contraction. And like, my husband has gone somewhere to do something. And my best friend is like feeding her baby or something. And her husband is like standing a, a large distance, like across the room from me being like, you're doing a great job. The pain is not stronger than you. It is you. This is your baby coming. <laughs> oh, this is awesome. Now, did your best friend have a home birth too? She had a birth center birth, but with the same practice. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So I, at one point I had my mom, my best friend, her husband and their baby like all at my house, eating lunch, watching TV, like all of that jazz. And the birth, you know, the progress seemed to slow down. And then it like seemed like maybe, okay, it's going to pick back up. I like went and took a shower. And by the time I was out of the shower, I was like, get out, everybody out. (laughs) And I could hear from my bedroom. I like called my husband in, shut the bedroom door. And I was like, everybody needs to leave. And he was like, okay. And I heard him walk back out and go, everybody needs to leave. And my mom goes, even me? And he's like, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, I love the moms. They always try. Even though we've told them in advance, you're not staying or that you are staying. But if we say you're not staying, they're always like, in the moment, they just don't want to leave their baby girl. What what I actually, I don't remember where the heck I got this, this script, but I sent and I tell everybody to do this. I sent my mom a text in advance that said, I don't think I want anybody at the birth, but Alex, I would be happy to have you come over while I'm in early labor, as long as you are okay with leaving, if and when I ask you to. And she said, absolutely. Until the moment that she yeah. she did. She did. She said, me too. And he said, yes. And she said, okay. Oh my God. I love it. Did you have a birth tub? Like, t- tell me about the environment for your No. So I... <laughs> We have the slipperiest tile that has ever existed. And we live in Florida with a pool. So we are constantly, my daughter has learned, like if, if she hits a puddle, we also have a, a dog, a St. Bernard mixed dog that just like drools water everywhere. And if she hits a puddle, she just freezes and goes wet because it's so slippery. And so I was like, I don't want, any water in my birth. I'm like, I don't want to get in a bathtub. I don't want to have a water birth. Like I am terrified of falling on my ass in the middle of labor. I don't want it. So it's like pretty unusual. I think most people who have a home birth do have like a water Yeah, but a a lot of people also have like carpet and like not Florida tile, you know, (laughs) everywhere. 
we did no water birth. I didn't want a birth photographer. I didn't want a doula. I didn't want, I literally was so, I, I have puritanical New England roots. And I was like, I, I will say, if I were to do it again, I would probably choose to have a doula who specializes in like myofascial work, like mm-hmm. someone who can do like really good massage and really good hands-on adjustments. Because my husband is like great at the emotional support component, but like when you're like, no, in like in my butt cheek, in there, it's like he just, that yeah. I would, I would have a doula again, but our midwifery practice, 45 minute meetings, they're always on time. They are one-on-one the entire time with one of two midwives. Awesome. So I felt like they are a doula. Like, you know, I felt like yeah. I have a closer connection to my midwife than I could develop with any birth photographer, any, like anyone else who I would potentially yeah. have at the birth. This is really good. I'm going to interrupt you right there because mm-hmm. there's a lot of people listening right now that are like, should I spend the money and invest in a doula? But this is one of the key questions that you mm-hmm. should ask. Like, I have been a doula for 16 years. In my earlier years, I would say I was more of an emotional support person, a, mm-hmm. like kind of a gentle touch, like that kind mm-hmm. of thing. Now there's like a joke at our hospital that I'm the CrossFit doula. And it's funny, like that the obstetricians will like interpret it that way because like my clients on their hands and knees. I was going to say, are you like making them do like, like spinning babies and stuff? Oh yeah. And I'm like pulling up on their hip uh-huh. flexors and I'm like mm-hmm. opening their pelvis. Like I am so physically exhausted after a birth because I am laying physical hands, mm-hmm. manipulating their body yes. to open their pelvis. And I have seen over the years, the length of labor for my unmedicated clients has gone down and down and down. So the more physical mm-hmm. touch I apply, the shorter the labors are. So this is a question. If mm-hmm. you were going to hire a doula, ask them, like, are you a calming presence that sits next to me and is like more of an emotional? Because some people just want that and need that. Especially if their people, partner is not going to be, like, I very much trusted that my husband was going to be the emotional support person. Yeah, He was all in gung-ho. I've had clients who said, I think I'm going to try for a natural birth, but my partner doesn't think I can, or my partner doesn't want me to. And I'm like, oh, that's not going to well for you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. So it's really important if that's something like to know that there are distinctions and capabilities and Mm -hmm. some doulas like myself do both, right? Like Mm -hmm. depending on a chameleon, if you need this or that, but for the most part, I have observed that if you are going to go unmedicated and you want to have a shorter labor, that physical manipulation of your body can ease tension and open the pelvis at a much more rapid rate. And to be honest, I feel like the cost consideration is absurd. I'm like, if you're trying to have an unmedicated birth, mm-hmm. the amount of money you're going to spend, like there's, there's evidence, there's actual research-based evidence for right. doula's outcomes I'm like, you are going to spend, that is such a gamble cost-wise to risk having medical intervention. I mean, for me, I was having a home birth I'd already paid for and was uninsured. So like that was a gamble to the tune of like tens of thousands of dollars. If I had known that there was that distinction and what I was going to need ahead of time, I probably would have done it. But yeah, the people who are like, is it really worth the money? I'm like, no question. Ask anyone who had a good doula. Yeah. A good doula. Now, I have had a couple of people who have hired me for their second birth, right? Mm-hmm. So it's really important in that interview process to like hone in on great interview questions. And if right now you're just kind of like, what are Kelly and Heidi talking about? If you go to birthstory.com and you click on the workbook, there is a downloadable guide on like what a doula is, what a doula does, expectations, and interview questions. Mm-hmm. So it's a free guide. Download it. Take it with you to your interview of your doula and ask them those questions. You know? Can I also plug that people need to interview their doctor or midwife? Yes. Very like, important. They work for you. Mm-hmm. They are your employee. You should not go to someone because your friend liked them. You should not go to someone because they're the person who's been doing your annual every year. You should go interview that person as if it's a brand new relationship and you are hiring a nanny for your future child because that's what you're doing. Yeah. You are literally hiring the person who is going to care for your child 
for the first nine months of their life. Yeah. Thank you so and much also for you. saying that. Yeah. Thank you so much for saying that. I actually had the same obstetrician for 18 years and I did this interviewing when I got pregnant and together we decided that I would do better birthing with a midwife at a small regional hospital. And so mm-hmm. I switched care just for my pregnancy and birth. And then I went back to my regular obstetrician for my gynecological needs. Mm-hmm. You know? And I think so. it's, it's a shame because OBGYNs get this, this negative stigma around them as being like the a-holes that are going to come in and tell you that you have to have a C-section or tell you, you know, cut an episiotomy or all of these things. And it's like, yes, it would be wonderful if every OBGYN was initiating that conversation and saying, hey, what do you, what do you think your birth is going to look like? Here's what my statistics are. Here's the kind of labors that my patients tend to have, but they're not. So you should be doing that before you're going to before you're going to blame them for negative outcomes. Like you should also be taking the responsibility to go in and say, is this actually the person who I need? I love it. I had a, an interview on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, Jasmine, and Jasmine talked about if we would approach our birth the way that we approach a problem at work, mm-hmm. you would have a completely different perspective. Like you would ask a lot of questions. You would interview and get multiple opinions. You would look at your birthing from multiple angles and decisions and situations. And then together with a team, like you and whoever you're birthing with, you would come up with a plan. For the most part, we like get pregnant and then we're like, oh, I don't know what to do. And we stop thinking and we stop dreaming and we stop visioning like as if it was a problem that needs to be solved, like if it was at work. And we would have different outcomes if we would Mm -hmm. just get a little bit creative, you know, with our birth planning process. Right. Um, Which is actually how I got my husband on board with the home birth. He was like, very iffy about it. And then we went and did a tour, an interview with the, the birth center. And he has become in his uh, college frat boy Facebook chat. He, every time one of the dudes is like, my wife's pregnant. He's like, look, it's completely your choice, but I would really encourage you to look into a birth center. You know, this is like, like he's become such an advocate for it because he had the opportunity to, you know, it wasn't shoved down his throat, right? Like if I had just been like, this is what I'm doing and like put on my war paint and been like, no, like I'm doing this. Like we actually went into it with an open mind and said like, I think this is what I want, but let's actually go ask the questions and see the facility and meet the the midwives. Midroll. Just wanted to take a quick little break and remind you of a couple things. One, If you are looking for reducing that impact on the environment, saving money for these baby items that you're only going to use a few times, make sure to use code birthstory when you visit storkexchange.co so that Sindel and Ben will give you 20% off of your order. You can also follow them on Instagram at stork underscore exchange. And while we're talking about Instagram, don't forget to push pause. And please follow me on Instagram at Birth Story Podcast. All right, let's get back to this incredible birth story. Okay, so let's go back. You've just now gotten out of the shower mm-hmm. and you've told your mom, you know, she definitely needs to leave. So everybody left. It pretty quickly, like, picked up in intensity, speed, the midwives ask us to call like early labor just to be like, hey, at some point today, you might need to like get a babysitter and all of that stuff. They already knew that I was in labor. I think I held out to like 4 or 5 p.m. before I was like, I need you to call again. I was very determined. My best friend had gone into the birth center at like five centimeters, something like that. And I was like determined. This is BS, by the way, for anybody listening, don't do this. But I was like determined to not call the midwives till I was five centimeters. I was like, I'm tough. I can do this. I am not going to be that person who calls them and is like two centimeters. I was like very determined to hold out. And finally I like broke and I was like, I think, I think Cinda needs to come. So he, we called Cinda. She came over, checked me. I think I was like four centimeters. But what had been happening. That's really good. That's really good. I know, but I like, you know, having done Bradley and like knowing as much as I knew, I like really knew that like, this is a first birth. It's going to take a long time. Like I didn't have a roadmap for like 
what the different stages were going to feel like. So I, I really wanted to like hold off for as long as I could. Plus the fact that when you have a home birth, like you don't have anywhere to go. So it's not like, oh, you have to get in the car and go to the hospital before you get to, but I think I was at the like 311 pattern, something like that, that it was yeah. like, okay, like this is a very clear pattern. But what had been happening the whole time and was getting more severe was that every continuously, I was having a pain shooting through my outer hip, okay. like deep, deep pelvic pain that was not getting any relief from any of the like stuff, you know, the stuff that we had learned that my husband was trying to do and it wasn't going away between contractions. Yeah. Your baby so, was sitting on a nerve in a I was weird position. Like I was, and what's interesting is I actually had a red flag earlier in my pregnancy that I, when I would go pee, once I was like pretty far along, I would go pee. And when my bladder emptied, I would have this pain. So I know now I was doing a lot of bar, a lot of deep external rotation. I had a horribly balanced pelvis and I was probably having piriformis pain that had I been appropriately stretching, had I not been doing bar three times a week and teaching bar six times a week or whatever I was doing, probably would not have happened. And now I'm constantly teaching people like, okay, by 35, 36 weeks, you should be doing nothing but transverse ab engagement and relaxing your pelvis. Yeah. I'm so glad. And we're going to get into this, right? With your wellness program. Totally. Okay. Because I work with a lot of cyclists. Charlotte is Mm -hmm. a big cycling city. And so this is a problem. I have to like reverse behavior and do all sorts of, you know, like lots and lots of stretching mm-hmm. because we have such tight, tight hips and pelvis. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just with my cyclists. And so we have to do so much with stretching and opening yeah. so that it doesn't negatively affect our labors. This and it's a really lot easier to get those muscles to relax when you're not super low, right? Like once that baby's down on it, it's like, then you're, then you're in like spinning baby's land of like, okay, well flip upside down and like try to get the baby off and then try to fix it. So oops, like I should have known. And no, I I never want to say I should have known. I know now that that is something I, that would have been a red flag that I would have behaved differently before Mm -hmm. I got to labor. But when she checked me and said four centimeters, I was like, I can't do this. Like I'm not getting a rest between contractions. I'm not getting, you know, like when you take a birth class, they drill it into you. Like the contractions are going to be intense and then you get, you know, two minutes off or whatever. And I wasn't getting the time off. And I'm like, this is not what I bargained for. Yeah. This is not what I signed up for. Through some act of God, I had actually run into my midwife in the chiropractor's office the previous week. So the midwife and the chiropractor are friends. She also gets treated there and she knew that I was in care there. Okay. And so this chiropractor does not do home visits, does, is not on call for births. And it was like a Saturday at 5 p.m., 6 p.m. or whatever. And she was like, do you want me to call Julie and see if she'll come? The like kind voice inside of me was like, that's so presumptuous. Like it's the middle of her Saturday night. Like that's so rude, blah, blah, blah. The puritanical, like I don't want to have another person here. And then like deep from within me. I was like, yes, call her. Because as soon as you were just saying this, I was like, oh, we need some like deep fascial work and some adjustment to like get that relief. Okay. So she comes. Yeah. So also just as a side note, my daughter was also ROA, which is not ideal. Also should have been an indicator that something was up in my pelvis and in the soft tissue that was like causing her to be on that side. Mm-hmm. She also, I am nearly certain, was asynclitic with her head cocked to one side because she was yeah. born with torticollis. Yeah. So there were had been asynclitic these, for a while then. Yes. There were yeah. all of these signs that like I needed to adjust things in my pelvis. So the chiropractor came. The midwife was like, in the kindest terms possible, was like, boo, you are not going anywhere fast. I'm going to go eat dinner. I'll be back later. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, damn it. I didn't hold on long enough. But the chiropractor came, adjusted me, and like waterfall opening up. Like I went from five to 10 in two or three hours. And she actually stayed for my whole birth. Did the pain subside? Yes. Pretty much immediately. Like it was this, like, that's the point where you like 
you get into like very animalistic, like she would adjust something and I would just like collapse on the bed, like moaning because it would bring on another contraction. Yeah. And then she would adjust something and it would bring on another contraction. So she, God bless her, stayed. My husband called the midwife back and was like, I think you need to come back like now. And she checked me again and I don't even know. I'm trying to remember. I think that I was almost to the point of being like, I need to push. And my husband overheard them in the dining room. The midwife saying to the chiropractor, what did you do? Oh, that's awesome. So magic, birth magic. Yeah, pretty much. And I'm like, God, can you imagine if there was a a chiropractor or a massage therapist, like a myofascial massage therapist in every hospital? At every hospital and at every birth, we wouldn't have a 40% cesarean rate. Yeah. That's for damn sure. So the, I mean, from there, it was like textbook, beautiful home birth experience. Like contractions were super regular. They were intense, but like I was going through transition and I was like, this is amazing because the comparison was like, oh my God. Like, I mean, you can't downplay the emotional experience of the pain. Of getting your butt kicked and for no reason. Like it's one thing when you're making progress. It's another Mm -hmm. thing when it's like an ill-positioned baby Mm -hmm. and like tight everything not allowing your baby to descend. And you're just like, ah, oh, like it's almost like ineffective surges, you know, yeah. it's very yeah. emotionally draining. I hear that. Mm-hmm. Right. And I can't even imagine, like I have these parents come to me postpartum who like had, I don't think I've ever had anyone who had the exact same thing that I did, but similar Yeah, for days, 24 plus hours. And I'm like, how could you not be traumatized? And then, you know, to eventually push for four hours, have an episiotomy, get a C-section, like whatever. I'm like, that's awful. So, I mean, once like I, you know, I had a, a natural urge to push, I think I pushed maybe 30 minutes. I ended up delivering for people who are interested in baby position. I ended up delivering in a half asymmetrical squat because I oh, know, cool. like, because I know that my pelvis was like mm-hmm. all over the place, which when they, and body led, right? Like right, no one right. told you whether to put your right leg up or your left leg up. Your right. body just told you what to do. Right. And so cool. the midwife like gave my husband the opportunity to catch her. So he was like behind me and she's like, go ahead, catch the baby, dad. And he's like, okay. And she's like, now, and <laughs> totally missed. Baby flopped out on the, on the Chuck's pad on the bed. Nobody caught her. <laughs> That's awesome. Now, did your husband lift her to you or did you lift no, her? No, he was side? behind me. Oh, he was. So okay. I'm trying, I think, I feel like the midwife probably picked her up. I actually can't. Yeah, I think the midwife picked her up because I had, I had been listening to a podcast episode. I wish I could remember who the heck the expert was. That was about this idea of like mammalian birth, like needing a moment. Sarah Buckley, probably. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. Sarah does she Buckley. A, does she have a beautiful British accent? Yes. She's from yes. New Zealand. Yeah. Uh, she's from okay. New Zealand. And she is the author of Gentle Birth, Gentle Mothering. And mm-hmm. she is the one who researches oxytocin. So she's yes, partnered with yes. like the world's leading experts and they study oxytocin. So yeah. Um, so I, I feel like I had this, like this somewhere in the back of my brain, I'd like stored this knowledge and just been like, I don't need to pick this baby up. I need to just like, take a sec. And I think probably the midwives like picked her up and put her on me. And I mean, obviously there was like no cord clamping for, I have no idea how long, like the rest of it was like pretty like textbook. Like you could put the, uh, the soft filter over the video, but there's actually video. So <laughs> my chiropractor became my impromptu birth photographer. Oh, cool. Okay. Cause like, as I was pushing, I was like, Julie, can you take pictures? Or maybe, no, it must've been right after she was born. I like threw my phone at her and was like, can you take photos? And so there's like no photos of my birth at all until birthing the placenta. And there are full frontal, like medical level photos of my vagina and my placenta. Cause she's like, I don't know. I gotta, I have to do this right. Like I have to make up for all these photos that she didn't get. 
email me any that you're comfortable sharing on my Instagram. By sure. Me. Sure. <laughs> so there's a, uh, there's video of me literally like pushing out my daughter and going, that is not that bad. I love it. It's all compared about the basis what, for comparison. Right. Compared to what you had been through with the ill position or the malposition. Mm-hmm. I mean, amazing. How much did she weigh? She was six and a half pounds, little peanut. I also was pretty small. Like I didn't gain a ton of weight. I kind of figured she was going to be pretty small. I was like, you don't look like a huge person. I'm not. On Zoom over here. So so the average baby is 714 at full term. So that's, you know. Yeah, right she on. was almost, she was 40 and six. So she was a week yeah. overdue and six and a half pounds. I also didn't think that her due date was correct. Based on your you and your besties timing. <laughs> so. Maybe both of you guys were off there. Yeah. I love it. Well, congratulations. What an amazing birth. So Kelly, one of, this was just such an amazing home birth story. And we have done a lot of teaching. Like the two of us Mm -hmm. have been doing a lot of teaching this whole episode. But now I really want to pivot because the second reason I have you on the podcast today is to share from that experience, something was birthed within you to really help and share with other parents on their journey. And so can you walk us through Kelly Bryant Wellness, how it came to be and like what you do to serve parents right now? As I mentioned at the beginning, I was a yoga teacher before. I was a bar instructor. I got pregnant and I was like, this is easy. Like we cover prenatal fitness for an afternoon and yoga teacher training. I got this. And immediately was like, oh, I have no idea. And so, you know, you do what any self-respecting woman would do. And I started Googling. And Google, can I swear? Yeah. Oh. The shit you get on Google. Google is useless for prenatal exercise. You're like, prenatal modifications. And it like you get six different BS lists of what you can and can't do. And no explanation of why. And there's no like, it's all very like fear-based of like, don't twist because you're going to shove the fertilized egg out. Like there's no like logic or or, like actual scientific physiological basis for it, Mm -hmm. which like I am a very, I like books. I'm a, I'm like a very research-based, I've gotten more in touch with my woo-woo since having a baby, but like, I want to know the reason. Like I want a good reason. So I was like, well, this simply will not do. So I spent my pregnancy basically learning all of the ways, because what's the thing that everyone's afraid of? Screwing up your abs, right? It's like, you don't want to get a diastasis. If you, if you dig far enough to figure out, okay, what's the thing where you mess up your abs and you have a pooch forever? So you like learn all the things to not get a diastasis. That is like barely scratching the surface of what quote unquote can go wrong and has no mindfulness toward what you actually want to be doing. Mm-hmm. So what I say now is like, I am not interested in bargaining with people about what they're allowed to keep in their exercise regimen. I want to start from scratch and talk about what do you actually need to introduce? What is actually valuable and useful to introduce into your fitness program when you're pregnant and why? If you're a cyclist, if you're a CrossFitter, if you're all those things, and that is like a big part of your identity and it's something that you're passionate about keeping, that's really rich soil. Like, why do you have to be? lifting super heavy weights. Who are you sh- who are you proving that to? So, I do a lot of the like emotional side of the coaching of like really identifying the ways that you've identified yourself with your fitness persona yeah. and how you're using exercise often as a way to buffer emotions and not handle like the stuff that's really there because I'm like it is Unfortunately, in our country right now, there's a one in three chance that you are going to have a C-section and you're not going to be able to exercise for six plus weeks. When that happens, if that happens, who are you if you're not out on your bike, if you're not running for miles, if you're not lifting super heavy? Like You have to have some other coping mechanisms there. So I do the yoga side of things. I like really like to introduce the psychological component and like help people figure out how to see their own bullshit. Yeah. And I do the exercise part of it. That's like, okay, like also you have to keep up your cardio health. You have to, you know, you do want to be strong. You do want super strong transverse abs, which can help with pushing. So let's also look at like the like 
fun, badass, high energy, like kind of work that you can do as well. So I like to marry those two sides. And I do that through my Thrive prenatal program, which is week by week, you know, 40 weeks of exactly what workouts you do and emotional support and accountability and all of that. And then I have my postpartum program, which is called Reclaim, which is, it's just 12, no, it's, it's three months. So it's like actually, I think 13 or 14 weeks, but that I always do in a group program because I love birth stories. Now in coronavirus land more than ever, I think we need that like connection to other Mm -hmm. parents the normalizing of like all of the feels and all of the stuff, like this, the stuff that happens in there gives me goosebumps of just like these people showing up for each other and being like, yeah, me too. It's amazing. It is amazing. So this podcast is airing really all over the world. I'm a high concentration in the United States. Is this something that every one of my listeners can do with you? I did everything virtually before this. So I was very fortunate when this happened that like I was already offering everything virtually. I do at this moment and I can't, I'm constantly tweaking the ways that I provide support and the kind of like the the container. But at this moment, Thrive is offered self-study, which I don't recommend, but is more affordable for people who need, who that's, you know, it's like 50 bucks a month or something, or as a personal training program where you get the week by week workout programming, and then you get weekly check-ins with me. Okay. So that's oh. like, you know, you, <laughs> you talk through all of your, all your stuff, like all of your like, this hurt and I feel this way and I didn't do any of my workouts this week and this is why. So like, that's where we work through the, the drama. But it's like a step bigger than just like birth planning. It's like mm-hmm. adding this huge element, preparing for your birthing mm-hmm. time through fitness Mm -hmm. from the very beginning. And I wish that like I could have a double blind randomized control trial that like says how well all of this stuff works, but like it works. Yeah. I mean, it's really hard that the data just isn't there for a lot of things. When I Google, like you said, cycling, labor, pregnancy, I've done every variation of word. I cannot find an article. But 16 years of being a doula Mm -hmm. in Charlotte with high cycling population, I can tell you Mm -hmm. how it affects your body and your birth Mm -hmm. and then trying to work on adaptations to prepare you for your birthing time. Mm -hmm. Can't find an article or data that shows if you ask your doctor if you can keep going to cycle class and cycling outside, absolutely is the answer you're going to get. And as your doula, I'm going to tell you, we have a lot of work to do. We can keep cycling. Right. We need to do some other things also and cut back on that cycling. The way that I explain it is like people think that the harder they go when they're pregnant, the easier it'll be to recover. That's the cultural message. And that is 100% not true. Yeah. False, 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 everybody. There is a baseline level of fitness that you have to maintain, right? Like if you, if you do nothing, odds are you're going to have a worse outcome. There's a baseline level of it. And that's what the research says. Like that, there is actually studies that show that. Yeah, you're going to feel like you have tachycardia when you're trying to push your baby out. But there's this this level, like I've looked at the research that talks about your risk of like miscarriage and risk of negative outcomes from, or preconception, not being able to get pregnant from exercising too hard. But nothing looks at like, what about the birth outcomes of people who exercise too hard? Like what about like you get pregnant, you spin, for nine months and then your pelvis is so tight you physically cannot release a baby and also you're terrified of screwing up your body because who you are is tied up in being able to spin. So basically if people are feeling like they know they need to exercise and they're not sure what to do, whether that's prenatal or postnatal, they need to come see me. So I have products for both prenatal, postnatal. I also do see people for years postpartum. I don't generally put them into the, pre- the postnatal group because it's weird. Absolutely. If you're like, I know this is something I need to do. I've been meaning to get started. I can't hold myself accountable to do it. And I'm freaked out about doing the wrong thing. That is who needs to come see me and do my Thrive or my Reclaim program. And I know that Heidi ends every episode with top baby product recommendation. I'm going to have to say a boba wrap because when you have a boba wrap, you have no excuse to not do your workout. 
you can do all of your workouts with a baby strapped onto your body. Like not cardio, not hit classes, but like yoga for sure. And it's good for them. It's developing their sensory and motor systems as well. Cool. Kelly, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. And again, everyone, you can just go to the handle at Kelly Bryant Wellness or the website kellybryantwellness.com. And I hope that many of our listeners are going to engage with you and your program. I love when women use their story and their experience to help other women and parents in their journey. And so thank you, Kelly, for what you do for everyone. It was a pleasure to have you today. Thank you so much. Thank you, Sindel and Ben, for sponsoring this episode with Stork Exchange. Everyone, don't forget to go to storkexchange.co and use code BIRTHSTORY for 20% off. See you next week. Thank you for listening to Birth Story. My goal is you will walk away from each episode with a clear picture of how labor and delivery might go and that you will feel empowered by the end of your pregnancy to speak up, plan and prepare for the birth you want, no matter what that looks like.